Sup, my dogs. Welcome back to a new episode of Travel Mockery. Before we start the show, I quickly want to share uh, Joe Skipper's post-race interview after his win at Ironman Arizona. As um, we saw some rare footage, a very, very sensitive puppy, and it was just a beautiful interview. And I uh, wanted to share this with everyone. We are here with the 2022 BioStarts Ironman Arizona Men's Champion, Joe Skipper from Great Britain. And Joe, I interviewed you a second ago, and you said you wanted to collect yourself. You've collected yourself a little bit. What do you think this victory of everything you've done in your career means to you? Oh, it's definitely up there. Like, I had some unfinished business with this race. So I came here in uh, 2018 and uh, didn't even make it onto the run. Uh, like, DNF just had nothing in the tank. So I knew uh, I wanted to do a decent performance. And uh, looking at some of the big names that are in the race, like you've got Matt, who always runs really well, Ben coming off second at 70.3 Worlds, and then Sam Long, who uh, obviously had a bit of a disappointment disappointment at 70.3 well so i knew he was going to have the bit between his teeth and he was going to want to do himself justice so it was always going to be a tough day plus a lot of other strong athletes so you know to be up there against them and uh to get the win against those guys is definitely uh one of the one of the better races i've uh, had i've got to admit and to uh finish the year off uh, on a high like that is uh absolutely amazing yeah it is always when you finish the season like that and you know you got time to rest it makes it even sweeter but that last 10K is something you're going to think about for a while because you said it just wrapped you up. Yeah, I think it definitely added a few years onto my life, that last 10K. That was uh, extremely hard. Uh, massive headwind every time you run uh, down towards the far turn. And uh, the pace was really slow. I was running 20 seconds a kilometre then, and I knew uh, Matt and Ben were chasing me, and I was trying to do the maths in my head. What, what pace will I need to hold if they hold 340K, 345K pace? Um, and I thought I had it, but you always kind of doubt yourself and you're never quite sure. But yeah, I'm just so happy to uh, manage to hold them off. And you know, you always have been one with great support from family and friends. Your mom and dad is here. That's got to mean a ton to you, especially when you're out there hurting, knowing you're performing for the ones that love you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it means uh, a load when, uh, when you can do it with your family there. Oh, uh, it's getting me all emotional now. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, in, um, when you can do it in front of your family, and obviously with all these uh, Ironman races, you always have your family and friends, even if they're not there, tracking you at home and uh, watching the coverage. So <laughs> I know a lot of them are watching it from back home. So really pleased to get the win. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, but <laughs> a bit emotional. <laughs> That's all right, Joe. You're allowed. You're allowed. You're the Ironman Arizona champion. One more time for Mr. Joe Skipper. Morning, my dogs, uh, or evening, wherever in the world you're from. Opposite of me, sitting Joe Skipper. Recently added Ironman Arizona to his uh, list of Ironman champions. And uh, here is uh, your other co-host speaking, professional apple farmer, Tom Osterdijk. How you doing, my boy? <laughs> yeah, good, mate. Uh, pleased to be back, but feeling absolutely drained after uh, another long haul flight. Just uh, looking forward to putting my feet up for a few weeks. Do you reckon it's the Ironman that put you down or um, it's the flight? Or the beer mile or a mixture of all three. Probably a mixture of all three. Sounds like a cocktail. The beer mile, I actually felt a bit better after the beer mile, like my legs did. They felt a lot better after doing that. You'd say it worked as, a, as some sort of like a recovery recovery session. Yeah, definitely. Your legs start feeling a little bit better. The uh, I think the alcohol takes the pain away a bit. It's uh, it's, it's, it's it's good recovery technique, mate. It's like um, them uh, hyperized things, but just on steroids. <laughs> Would you do a, a beer mile after a half Ironman? Nah, probably not. Would you? Nah, nah. I think it's got to be, you, you, you can't be doing them after every race, do you know what I mean? You'll be doing like 12 of them a year, but like after an Ironman, because you know you're going to have a decent amount of time off after an Ironman, don't you? You know, exactly. you're going to have the week but, easy, aren't you? But what if you're an athlete and you only do half Ironmans and um, you want to do, you want to attend a beer mile, but there won't be a triathlon mockery beer mile because they only do the full ones? You have to wait until you graduate, mate. We all want to attend graduation, but you can't do it after the first year, can you? You've got to pass your exams. Everyone needs their motivation to step up to a full Ironman. If, if it's got to exactly, be the Travel Mockery BML, it's got to be the Travel Mockery BML. You were looking forward to celebrating when you passed university, weren't you? I was. You know, having a blowout, having a party. 
you wouldn't have done it after Christmas holidays, would you? You know, you wait until you finished and and done the exams, got the results, you passed. Boom. (laughs) Totally true. Hey, how's the week, mate? Any highs and lows? I don't want to hear anything about Ironman Arizona yet. Any any other highs and lows? Well, a low would have been on the Tuesday before the race when I tried to do like my last like pre-race session kind of thing in uh, England before I went, and I felt a bit fatigued. Like I tried to do some efforts on the bike, and I felt like I didn't really have it. Didn't we like, already talked about this on the, on the last podcast? Did we talk about it on the last podcast? I couldn't remember. I yeah, remember. with the video like, on Tyler, and he put it up anyway. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, sorry about that. You oh, get, well. You get an uh, old that's my job. then. Gone. I know. Well, I've got notes as well in front of me, so I'm writing notes on the wrong stuff as well. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> I didn't even make it on. I didn't even make it onto Iron Man Fight and Chance, mate. Like, you know, where they like talk to the uh, pre race favorites or whatever, you know, and uh, or some of the people racing. I didn't even make it onto a Fight and Chance. You know what we did in uh, South Africa? I know, but I think they saw you as a dark horse for this race, not a top favorite. Yeah, I think so. And to be honest, we think that a fighting chance was what might have given us COVID before South Africa, don't we? <laughs> a, maybe, a maybe very big possibility. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't too bad a thing. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so no fighting chance. That's got to be your low then. That you're not. Uh, well, yeah, there was a bit of a low. The other TV. Yeah, but stars. it was good. Motiva- it was good motivation, though, isn't it? When you see that stuff like that, though. That is true. Do you always watch the fighting chance videos? Uh, not too much. I, I I think they used to be a bit better, but now because they've made them too short, it's just too jumpy. You know, you don't really see the. Per- I I would watch it more if you could see the actual train and what the person's doing and if they actually spent a bit more time talking to the athlete, but it's like they spend about one minute with each athlete. You don't get to see that much about them. It's still just very jumpy to me now, mm-hmm. you know, but um, like, don't you it, think that? Cause I mean, if you, if you don't the know session what... what we did in South Africa was like three hours, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. they mixed it into like 45 seconds or a minute, you know, and it was quite a good session we did, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a good session. Um, so if you don't know, Fighting Chance are these uh, videos Ironman does pre-big uh, races with some of the athletes. But um, yeah, the videos are quite short, so uh, um, but it's better than nothing, Joe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I say, you could say that. Have you got a high then? What about a high? Well, what, and it can't be anything to do with the race? Yeah, what about the beer mile? Can can, can that does that count? That that would count for me. That would count. Did you win because it this time? Was, no, I got I got fucking pit mate in the sprint. Like um, I think my mum fucked me over to be honest because I was going well. I came into the end of leg three, so all I had to do was down a beer, and um, and then do four hundred meters, and I would have won. I had a bit of a lead. I probably about six seconds, seven seconds coming into the last beer. I was like, mum's like trying to talk to me when I'm doing it you can't win this Joe because I got a couple of prizes you've got the prize I'm like yeah I can and then like I'm like you know trying to drink it and I think that like took me out of my rhythm then I felt like I was going to spoo in the bin um, <laughs> right over to the bin um like because there's a bin just in front of you and then I started downing it again and I was like you know when you're like a bit wretching kind of thing I was a bit like that and, I, and then the other guy was like fucking pumping that last beer <laughs> and I'm like fuck like I need to get this thing down and everyone's like you've got to drink it you've got to drink it all so I'm like trying to get it down. So I got it down in the end um, and then started about probably about five seconds behind him, four seconds, mm-hmm. which feels like ages when you're seeing him run off. Managed to get on his shoulder at the turn because we put a, there was like some kind of like some cones or like uh, it, it, where he had to turn around. So I went around the, went around there and I was on his shoulder and I thought, yes, I've got this. I'm just going to absolutely like let, uh, go for it with about 150 meters to go. Um, I'm going to absolutely so annihilate these guys. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he nailed it and uh, pulled away. And I, my, I mean, I looked on my training peaks. My last twenty seconds, it said was four oh five marlin, and that would have been including the turn because it was only you know, well, no, it wouldn't have been including the turn. That would have been on the way back from the turn, which is not bad considering you've just nailed four cans of beer as well, like you know, four minute marlin for the last bit. Um, but yeah, he, he managed to he managed to hold hold on pretty pretty strong. And I just came literally about a second behind him. It was you know we're pretty much I was pretty much on his shoulder, but I wasn't expecting him to be able to pick it up so much at the end. I thought I had him, but he uh, dude, I saw yeah a little bit extra. Someone tagged me in a story, and uh, uh, she uh, uh, filmed 
the beer mile. And it was right at that point where your mom came up and she said, you can't win this, Joe. You can't win this. And you were saying this. Yes, yeah. I can. <laughs> yeah. Fucked me right over. Like if I, 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 it took me out of the game that did, I would have, uh, I would have, I would have had a good chance. But you were like thinking, beer drinking. I want a dirty double. I want a double win. Yeah, yeah, and the, what what has uh, scuppered me in both of these beer miles is the fourth beer. I've literally, I think, when I did the one in Kona, I was leading after round three. Struggled on the fourth beer. This one, I struggled on the fourth beer. It was like nutrition problems, mate. You know, like the Ironman, what the uh, age group is mm-hmm. saying, and Ironman, oh, I had nutritional problems. Nutrition problems are letting me down in the uh, in the uh, Ironman. I think I need a different. I've, I've used the same beer for both now, and I'm going for a different choice next time. Um, what well, it looked like you were drinking athletic brewing. It was Kona, mate. It was Kona Big Wave. Kona Big Wave. Don't not the athletic brewing. Come on, give me some credit. <laughs> Did you I think know, I tricked it, it? Did you think I I snuck that in there and like used that at the last minute? I don't know. It just looked like um, it just looked like you were drinking and non-alcoholic to me. No, it's five percent. The rule has got to be over five percent apparently for it to for like that's the uh, the rules for the beer mile, but. Someone told me that the stronger ones are easier to down quicker because they have less air in them. Really? That's what someone told uh, me after. In the end, like, it's, oh, all right, about, so- it's all about it's all about experience, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a good laugh. Uh, and if we do it in New Zealand, we should get some barbecues. Like I think you said about it, you're getting some barbecues and stuff like that and uh, having a bit of social. Because we normally, I normally take some extra beers there for people that are watching as well and stuff. And uh, we have some tunes pumping. And it's actually mm-hmm. quite a good social. Like I mean, we were there for at least another hour afterwards talking to people. So it is a lot of people come down, even if they're not actually going to do it because it's a good laugh. But I think actually to do it properly next time, you want to get some like disposable barbecues, have some more drinks and, uh, you know, have a proper, um, have a, like a proper um, party kind of thing with it. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm game. I'm game. You're doing the bit. I want to Dude, see how you're doing the beer mile. I bet you. Be, I, I bet you can't wait for that. You'll be. You'll be taking. I started the triathlon beer mile. I started the triathlon mockery duathlon, duathlon world championships beer mile in St George, didn't I? So um, aquathlon. Um, it was an aquathlon. Yeah. Um, was good fun. Was good fun. <laughs> you you won that as well. So you're you're actually on a winning streak. But to be fair, you only could finish first or second because it was just you versus Ari, wasn't it? It was me versus Ari, and we knew one of us, uh, both of us were going to end up on the podium. But still, mate, to be able to call yourself a world champion aquathlon beer mile is almost as impressive as being a 54-minute Ironman swimmer. That is true. But I'll tell you what, some of these age groupers are fierce, mate. The competition is fierce. And they're all getting, they're all putting their name forward for the Kona one as well. The guy <laughs> that beat me is qualified for Kona as well. He did the Ironman day before, so he's... He's going to be there looking to uh, go for it. And I wonder if the guy who was wearing the budgie smugglers in Corona is going to be back again defending his uh, world champs title. Get, uh, competition's hotting up, guys, I'll tell you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you want to hear a proper low, mate? Yeah, go on in. So I've got my mojo back, back in the game. Uh, was out on the bike yesterday, four hours, which felt like I was doing it. 10 hour ride it felt like i was doing 300 was the weather good um it started off being sunny it ended being dark rainy two three degrees so that was a bit of a bummer i massively bonked i had massive muscle fatigue and there was like a flipping seven-year-old pumpkin hat that wasn't really paying attention to the road and i I, I, like a little kid that was trying to cross the road and i I could see he was not paying attention i could see it happen i was saying i was yelling at him i was like watch out watch out watch out and he stopped and i was thinking like oh thank god he saw me and when he looked at me he went again he was thinking like i'm just going you know uh, he had no lights. It was in the middle of the dark. He was something like seven years old. And I just uh, flip and flicked over, mate. Seven. And, so yeah. like a, a young kid. Yeah, it was a young kid. Yeah. And I, then I massively crashed. Oh, bloody hell. So I crashed. And It was something like two, three degrees. It was pouring rain. I still had like 45 minutes cool. to go. I was flipping bonking. Um, <laughs> but I was back in the game. <laughs> How... Where did you hit him or did you not hit him? You slammed on the I brakes did, and went over. Yeah, I slammed on the brakes and went, went over. Yeah, I didn't hit him. 
Bloody hell. And um, were, you just, were you laying on the floor? Did they have to help you off it or something? Uh, yeah, I was laying on the floor. And I was so like, like this reaction out of the blue. I was saying, you flipping pumpkin hat. <laughs> but then I was thinking like, oh my God, he's still a kid. But it's like a re- response, isn't it? And I was saying to him like, hey, mate, uh, you need to like point a direction where you're going. And also, why don't you have any lights on your bicycle? It's, it's, it's really... Uh, um... Was his parents with him? No, he was, he was all alone. I said, it's really dangerous outside. You should tell your mom and dad that you need lights on your bike. It was fucking dark, mate. He was just scooping around on his little bike. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also not in the city. It was in the middle of these like farmer streets. But yeah. Yeah. That's Holland for you, isn't it? It's Holland, mate. It's Holland. You can see. How are the Dutch doing in the World Cup? Have uh, they played any games Well, yet? we've banked the first win. We've banked the first win. Um, it was a 0-2 to two for the Netherlands versus, what was it? I'm not really a massive football fan. Was it Was it like Senegal? Oh, right. Bloody hell. I'd expect you guys to win that. I know. It was like in the last 10 minutes that we scooped two sneaky goals. Yeah, Senegal. How's the? I don't think the UK is doing very well, are they? We won six two, mate. Six two, oh, lucky. Yeah, Just six lucky. two. <laughs> <laughs> um, in other news, uh, Joe and I think um, I, I quick. I've been thinking about this last week that I was saying I was uh, battling some uh, some demons. Um, I had like. A lot of messages from uh, people that that that, that were uh, that could relate to it, or also found like uh, uh, a joy in the podcast uh, through that tough times, and that was really um, like really really sweet. But it also made me think that I think is is um, it's important to speak up about this, Joe. I mean, we've got a platform, um, we speak out to a lot of people, and I think sometimes maybe uh, if you're sitting at home not feeling well, you can, and you're only listening to to stuff like that, and you're thinking like. Is always sunny where they are, where they are at. Is always the grass is always greener at the other mm-hmm. side. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is what people can think. And also because of social media and everything, it's really easy to compare yourself to others, and um, uh, that can make me make you feel shit about yourself or something. Well, I can tell you this: everyone's got their own shit. Everyone's got the problems. Whether you're uh, a Jan Frodino or a hairdresser or whatever, everyone's got their shit. But there's um. Three things that I, I quickly uh, uh, want to share with um, with regards to, um, um, well, maybe uh, uh, being lonely or depression or, or mental health problems. One thing is, is um, uh, what I found is, is like talking helps, Joe. Talking helps a lot. Uh, is hard at, at the beginning. It's really hard, especially uh, if you don't really find someone to uh, properly talk to in the beginning. But uh it helps. It can be scary to be lonely in the beginning, but it. Uh, um, I've, I'm really, really bad at being lonely. But I found uh, that you also learn a lot in that period of time. On the other side of the story um, is the one. If you're listening to this and you've never had anything like it in your life, maybe you've got something like friends or family who are who aren't really uh, feeling super well or or have got a lot of stress, uh, if it's either at work or financially or, or an athlete with performance stress, whatever. If you're asking them if they're doing well and they're saying, yes, I am doing well, but if all the signs are like red flags, meaning they haven't been training for eight weeks, they're not performing at work, they're being antisocial, they're basically being different than when they were before. That should be like a red flag saying that probably um, there is something going on and um, um, yeah, open up the discussion because probably it is really hard to acknowledge the fact for this person that probably something is up. Um, and let, um, to give you an example, Joe, last year in March, when we came back from Girona, um, I remember you, you had some, some off days in your training. You had some off days in your training. I was thinking like Joe never has any off days in his training. Like this isn't normal for Joe, but, but you were just feeling sick and not feeling like uh, uh, you were training pretty well. But it was like multiple weeks. And I was thinking at that time, like, is there something up, you know? Um, this is just an example. Third thing, oh, and maybe you don't even think that you've got knowledge about this or that you can help just by listening or just talking about it will help for this person anyway. And third thing 
if you're a coach, and I don't know if this uh, is something that you learn with the Ironman certified coaching program or anything like that, but you can literally see what an athlete is doing. And um, triathlon can cause a lot of shit, shit with regards to triathlon and work, uh, shit with regards to triathlon and a relationship. This should be something, Joe, that we should talk about in the future anyway. Um, I think you as a coach have gotten insight into like a person as no water because you can really see what they're doing. And if they're not consistently not doing the training, something is up. If there's something all right or not, if they're sick, you are able to determine what's going on. Um, But that's just the things I've found over the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, hopefully it helps someone um, and never uh, never feel afraid to reach out. Jody. Talking about emotions anyway, you still there, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Because we saw a very, very sensitive Joe last weekend, didn't we? On the podium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, yeah. mate. It's, it's all right to let the emotions flow. <laughs> can you... Uh, yeah, can I can't you- help it. It can, is, is, of course you can help it. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's like an achievement and it also tells you that you've been, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you need to like uh, skip for like the whole sport, you know, say no to friends, say no to, to parties, say no to like certain dinners or alcohol or whatever. And then uh, when it all comes together on race day and you know your friends and family are there, I've always been supporting you through uh, your journey. Um, emotions, mate. Yeah, it does get emotional, especially uh, when you're really tired and like feeling it after uh, after an Ironman as well, because you feel so beaten up, don't you, afterwards? And it takes so much out of you, doesn't it? Um, and then, like you say, you just think about all the stuff that you kind of, how much time and effort and everything you put in for it, and uh, it all just uh, just shows, doesn't it? But do you know that probably you wouldn't have had the emotions if you weren't able to share this with others? uh no you probably wouldn't would you that's the beauty of the sport isn't it or of like maybe yeah, yeah. If you, like with work or with regards to something else anyway joe uh talk us through uh the whole race mate you managed to uh to bank the wing when um race start take us back so race morning uh yeah just got up like a couple of hours before the race um pretty standard really you know had your normal food a couple of bits of toast um a coffee i always feel pretty tired when i wake up in the morning do you like on race day because it's it's such a crazy start time um it depends because sometimes i'm sleeping like a baby the alarm goes and i'm just absolutely pumped to get over with the swim um and sometimes i'm just so tired and excited that i can't go to sleep and then you fall asleep really close to like the time you need to get up and then you're like that's the worst that's the worst yeah yeah that's when you're like totally fucked isn't it so luckily (laughs) i managed to actually get to sleep pretty uh, pretty early but i think part of the flying out late actually helped because a bit of jet lag so you felt tired at like eight o'clock in the evening which was perfect because then you could wake up you could fall asleep and wake up at like you know, four four thirty about four thirty in the morning. I mean, I went to bed I think at nine, fell asleep pretty much straight away. So I probably got a decent amount of sleep. Um but I still felt knackered. Um well not knackered, a bit tired. But um and then going to the start, it's freezing mate out there in the morning. Like you'd think it was gonna be hot because of like Arizona, but it's like, desert. So um basically four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, it's probably about seven or eight degrees. Cool. Um had like hoodie, jumper gilet on trousers you know literally the works um, thermal thermal underwear thermal underwear um <laughs> yeah all that uh, <laughs> 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 and then um yeah and then to get in for the the swim that was a dodgy one because before the race i'd seen a big old or a picture of a big old dead catfish that was in there so you're thinking bloody hell like what else is going to be in this water um you didn't do it doesn't look did you do a recce that week no no well you wouldn't want to risk it like you'd probably get ill um but you put you go and it's cold it's freezing as well um like when i was swimming for the warm-up i had brain freeze where after the first like 30 seconds or a minute you know where my head got wet in the water luckily like after swimming and doing a few sprints and stuff you kind of warmed up a bit to it but you wouldn't want it to start 
like from nothing and going flat out in that because it would have been pretty uh pretty horrific um but yeah it went um it went it went all, it went all right like i had a really good start the, the first boy was about 50 meters from the start and it was a 90 degree right which like would you have liked that or not like because if you've got a good sprint you can get out fast and get to the boy and you're in a good position what would you have thought about that because one of the pros at the briefing tried wanted to get it changed and not have the first boy and have it so it was like a longer swim before a turn what would you rather have longer swim before a turn or would you have wanted to have like a a fast flat, uh, like I, a fast um no i'd rather have a a, a gentle gentle start with a uh, a long long straight swim so i can't really lose the pack if if i'm in any yeah but don't you think yeah but don't you would you not found it easier to get in the pack if you had a 90 degree right straight away like because if you've got a good kick you can get away fast and then you're okay because everyone else is getting a bit held up at the boy not gonna risk it mate straight because i know if i know if the, if the course is technical my side thing is always pretty bad because my, my and my lenses fuck up they're always full with vaseline um every time i'm swimming like in a race i'm thinking like how can you always mess this up uh except for almir mr 54 <laughs> um so no I, i'd rather have the straight mate i'd rather have the straight All but right. you were going through the this one was like yeah i was liking this when i saw how close the first boy was to the start i was thinking yeah i'm, I'm liking the look of this um so i was right on the right hand side like andy uh horseful turner and uh ben canute like were right next to me so they obviously knew what feet they wanted to get on <laughs> um and then uh yeah, we sprinted. I got out to the first boy. I think I must have been in like third or fourth position, probably maybe yeah, something like that. At to like when we got to it, so that so I was like quizzing because I knew everyone else was going to be getting held up slightly more than what I was. And then you had about hundred meters across, maybe a little bit more, hundred, hundred fifty, hundred twenty, yeah, about hundred meters probably before you had the next right turn, where I knew that you had to keep on the gas a bit until you got there. A couple of people came past me on the way to that boy. And I was probably in about fifth or sixth place by the time I got to that one. But then after that one, it was about whew, two and a half K, mm -hmm. completely straight. And then obviously, if you had a good start around then, the pace was still a bit high, but then at some point it settled down. And like, I was in there when it settled down. So I was like, this is great. Like I'm in a really good position. And then around the last two boys where we had two right-hand turns, um, it was... Uh, Hold on. Yes. That's the builder, like the other guy we got around the house working, talking to him. Uh, he's like, who the hell's using his like thing to cut a tile, I think. <laughs> what the hell? Um, all right. So you came out of the water. It was a bit more than. You came out of the water. It was a bit more. Mate, today, I'll tell you that. You came out of the water. It was a bit more than 50 minutes. Were you surprised? Uh, I I wouldn't really say I was surprised by the time, like because I knew I could do fifty minutes, but I was pleased to be with all the the guy like the guys that I was with because I knew obviously I wasn't going to be with Bet with uh, Andy and Ben Canute, like that was that was never that was never going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. but to be in to be with that group was like perfect because we actually only had like three minutes deficit to um to we only had three minutes deficit to um the lead too. Um mm -hmm. so that was like that was that was perfect. And then Did you did I you wear a head of, did you wear a swim skin this time? Underneath the wetsuit, so I got double double gain. Nice so one. So I had swim skin on and a wetsuit. So it was like the top. You couldn't get any better than that, which obviously made the difference. Um and Sam Long obviously didn't have the swim skin on. That was why I was able to put like a, a minute into him on the swim. Um what was so your yeah, that was the best thing actually to be honest, because towards the end of the swim, it got really hard about 600 meters to go, five, 600 meters to go. And I was in my head, I was like, Oh, I'm like on the limit here. Like I was probably on the limit because they kicked it up towards the end. I felt like they picked the pace up. They might not have, it might have just been me fatiguing, but it felt like the pace went up higher. And I was like, do I carry on and stay on these feet or do I have to let them go? And I was like on the limit and I was like debating it. And then it slowed down a little bit. And that made me recover a bit. And then it picked up again. And I was like, oh, I think I'm just about there. And I was like having to tell myself, 
don't worry if you're a bit fucked because if you're putting time into people like you know sam for instance it means that you've got a bit of a buffer when you start the bike where you can ride your own power you know and mm-hmm. get into it before they might catch you because it takes a while for someone to catch like a minute on you doesn't it really you know yeah, on definitely. The bike. um whereas you might be worthwhile putting a hard effort in for another five minutes in the swim uh which can save you that which could save you like that you know almost a minute i mean it was more than five minutes probably that last 10 that 10 minutes in the swim working hard could save you that minute you might end up chasing um on the on the bike because as soon as the gap goes if you let go the gap goes out massively in the swim doesn't it because you're swimming slower than the back of the pack and obviously the guy on the front's drilling it aren't they um so yeah that was and then when i got out i was like absolutely like i was breathing pretty hard like i was pretty um I felt pretty, pretty nailed. So um, coming, coming out of the water, John, coming out of the water, yeah. what were you thinking? Time, 50 minutes. You knew you were something like three minutes down from, uh, from uh, first place. What was your, uh, what did you think game tactics wise, tactic wise? Um, I'm going to ride fairly hard. So if like um, Sam catches me or whatever, then um, it will be later on in the ride. And I thought he might like, pick the pace up towards the end and I might be with him like in Chattanooga but I didn't want to have to ride really hard for the full 180 k's and and then I saw obviously Matt Hansen so I was well I heard the announcer say Matt so I knew Matt was there so I was like right well I want to try and get away from Matt because I thought he could run quite well especially on a course like this in this temperature and and I thought he might be sitting in a bit on the bike his plan might be to try and save his energy for the Mm -hmm. run that might be his tactic so I was like, I don't, I need to try and get away, but I don't want to be in the same group, you know, and then him get off the bike pretty fresh because I'm going to be pretty screwed. Um, so got, and then Christian Hugenhaug, I saw him in the, t- in the change tent. I knew he's a good cyclist. So I thought, right, if I can try and get away with him and us two work together, um, then we could, we could be up there, you know, off the bike. And then I thought I might be able to run, well, I should be able to run faster than him. So it could set me up for a really good, um, really good race, like potentially the win. Um, and then he started off pretty hard on the bike. I kind of, he had about 20 seconds at me on transition because he was further up in the pack than I was. And he had a quicker, slightly quicker transition, but I could see him. So I was riding fairly hard to try and like keep him around. Well, kind of like eat into the gap a bit, but not close it too quick because I didn't want to close a 20 second gap really quick. So I thought that I might pay for that later. Mm-hmm. Um so I was riding fairly hard and then all of a sudden, and then I could see some motorbikes in the distance um, and what like people. And I thought that was a couple of the guys that were in our group out the swim because it didn't feel like I'd overtaken too many people where, when me and Christian were riding. So I thought that was the first people from our group. And I thought, God, they had a good transition and they've hit the bike pretty hard. So I was trying to catch them. Christian was trying to catch them. And I, at the same time, I was trying to close the gap to him. And then when we got onto the proper highway, which is 15 Ks into the group, you could see they didn't look too far ahead, like maybe a minute or something like that, minute and a bit. And I thought, well, oh, they've probably put like, have they, they must have put like that time in transition. I just thought, oh, maybe they run through transition really quick and stuff like that. But we worked hard and it turns out that was Ben and Andy. So we'd closed the three minute gap on them in about probably 20, about 25 kilometers, something like that. What, what, um, I, want, I want to hear powers, mate. What power were you doing? <laughs> but, <laughs> Well, it was. Like, it was average was like 345, but a lot of the time, maybe like 360, 370, something like that. The like first sometimes bit. Sometimes 400. Like, yeah, like, um, yeah, probably for the first bit, like for, I, I mean, I'd have to look on my data, but it must, like, there was a few corners, but like on the flaps and when it was into the headwind, because it was headwind as well, so it was worthwhile pushing a bit harder, but probably up 360 for a lot, 350. I was trying not to go any much harder than 350. Um, if it was like, it was just little spikes when you know when the gradient was like higher or coming out of a corner but um i didn't want to go too much harder than that because you know you're out there for a hunt for, for 180 kilometers aren't you so if you burn your matches too much at the start you're not going to have anything at the end mm-hmm. um but at the same time you wanted to close the gap because like you don't that you, you well you just want to don't you really so um yeah and then when we caught them i said to them let's just take turns five minutes each because i thought then we could knock the power down a bit um and but all take turns on the front and then it might help us ride the same power as what the guys chasing behind are mm-hmm. you know same speed so they would have to go really hard to bridge it and then on the last lap if i've got like more in the tank left i could go harder 
Or if they do close the gap, then they've had, they're, they're pretty nailed because they've had to go way a lot harder to close the gap. Yeah. So, but, but then Christian Hugenhaug just did a massive effort and just went for it straight away. Boom. All right. Like, and yeah, then... like we, were, we did one turn each and he went flying, <clears throat> absolutely flying off the front. All right. So then you, uh, your roadway, take us to the run then. So then coming into the end of the rut, well, to the end of the bike, I let, I let Christian have a bit of a gap because I wanted to go a bit easier to like spin my legs a bit. And he was just kept carrying on the pace, like the whole way in. I thought I'll get, try and get some nutrition in, like spin the legs a bit. So I feel good for the marathon. So he took about 15, 16 seconds out of me, something like that towards the end of the bike. Um, and then starting the run, I didn't feel great, but I didn't feel bad. It was like very average um but the pace was okay it wasn't as quick as what you'd normally start mm-hmm. probably because it was a headwind so it was a bit you know you mislead and you kind of felt like i think that you felt worse than what you actually did because it was only it was um god what was it it was like 4k 3k something like that into a headwind to start then you turned and then you probably had about 6k 5 to 6k with a tailwind um and i caught him after about seven kilometers i reckon something like that and then that was just for an aid station i went in the aid station got the drinks and stuff and then he came past me um almost like straight away probably within like 20 seconds i thought well if he wants to come front of me then fair enough and then about 800 meters later six to 800 meters later we took a right turn then you run across this big bridge just like strong cross headwind going across the bridge so i was like just staying behind him and then after the bridge you take a right and then you've got about four kilometers into a big headwind to the turn, something like that. So I just ran right behind him into the headwind bit. And I could see the pace we were running wasn't that quick. Like we were probably running at that point 355Ks. And I'm thinking, well, I'd like it to be a bit quicker. Bearing in mind it's at the start of the Ironman, you know, if you were doing that at the end of the Ironman in that section, it would be pretty, pretty solid. But I knew we'd be losing some time at that. So I'm kind of thinking, I don't really want to set the pace in the head, in the, te- in the headwind because he could sit right behind me and I'm going to use a lot more energy. But at the same time, I do want to go a bit quicker because I thought if Ben Canoe or Sam Long, for instance, at that point were to run like 335, 340k pace for that first bit, they could almost be putting 20 seconds of K into us. So, mm-hmm. you know, if Ben did that for like, say, eight kilometers, then he, he could have pulled back two minutes, 40, nearly three minutes. And he was only five minutes behind. Then all of a sudden going into the last half of the race, he's a minute and 20 behind, which is going to be a huge advantage, isn't it? You know, he's going to yeah. be mentally really as well by, by that. Yeah. So, um, so then once, just before we got to the turn at the halfway bit, it's a bit of a bit of an unsportsmanlike move. You could say, because he just led the, he- the um, headwind for like four kilometers, about 30 meters before the turn. I put a bit of an effort in. And then, because I knew straight away when we turned, got to the turn, it was tailwind. It was going to be a lot easier. And you don't get as much of a benefit sitting in behind. I hit it pretty hard and ran like, I think the next K was like a 331. And then the one after was a hilly, like a, a mostly uphill one. It was like a 345. And then it was like a 330 again, 330 again, you know, and threw, threw in a few of them. Managed to get a lead. Um, you you threw it in. just a case of just keeping it together. Just throwing in a couple of quick free thirties, just thrown in. Because yeah, because I needed to break the elastic, didn't I? But you've got to think that was with a tailwind. That was with a tail. That was with a tailwind. Do you know if um, if if I'm listening to this, what the difference is? Um, whenever and this this is the thing I'm still re- missing in professional racing, Joe. When I'm starting to run, I always feel like, all right, I'm fucked. Well, you probably feel fucked as well. But this is what I've got in the tank. This is what it is. And it's not like I can say, all right, I'm running four, four or five K pace, but I'll just throw in a quick few three forty five s just to drop someone and then back off again. I don't have the gears to shift it. Yeah, but I didn't feel great myself. I actually felt pretty terrible. And my, I had, I think my feet had swollen on the bike. Because yeah, I but, but apart, apart from that, that, you can like shift bases within a race like that you can do i don't know i i can't do it well i haven't been been able to it's like a skill you need to unlock that's called experience <laughs> it's all mental mate 
<laughs> oh, it's mental. It's just a mindset. If you want to run 245, it's just, it's just a lack of mindset. <laughs> it's just a mindset, mate. It's just a mindset. <laughs> All right. I'll keep that in mind. But um, I didn't feel like when I did Wales, that was the one time where I felt amazing on the run. Like I felt in- incredible on the run there. And uh, I think I averaged like, phew, must have been for the first 30K. I think I averaged 330 something K pace for the first 30K in that run. Um, which was, yeah, that was, that felt incredible that day. You know, where it just felt, it felt so easy the whole day. Whereas this one, the last 15, 17K did feel like a huge slog, like, like you know you didn't feel too great why do you think because looking at your uh, uh marathon times uh in an ironman over the last uh, couple of races um this was actually a slow run for you 244 right yeah yeah it was it was it's, it's not it's not slow it's it's a little bit slower than you would have hoped um due to what do you think it is long season um to over overbiked um or... Definitely going harder on the bike. All right. because, <laughs> oh, oh my god! Gosh. They save it. They always save it for the podcast, don't they? Yeah. All they right, always, always save it. Doctor Doolittle, right. go on in. So, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> hold on a sec, Laura. Oh, the builder's there. The builder's there. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing it now. Okay. Do I need to speak to him? You don't really need to, but I think he used Mike's thing. I, I think Mike's a bit put out. Like Mike's cut and thing. Oh, really? I think so. I don't know. Have a, have a chat. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm ready. Set. The builders are having a fight over a piece of oh, equipment. Uh, workman, the builder. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. You're using my carbon chainsaw. Basically, yeah. Be like you using someone's alpha flies, mate. You took the wrong ones in transition, <laughs> and then they go there in transition. You've left them some fucking training shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, over over to the run again. Um. You were saying, yeah. So, yeah, uh, so why did you? Why do you think? So you went a little bit harder on the bike. Yeah, we went harder on the bike. Um, but I was getting a decent lead. Um on the others and so i knew that was like a massive thing and i thought well i don't mind going harder if i'm getting a big lead because i kind of thought you kind of weigh it up in your head don't you how fast do you think people are going to run you don't really think many people are going to run close to 230 235 nah. so if i had like say 10 minutes on some of them and i thought in my head i run 240 at worst that's what i kind of thought i thought like they got run sub 230 which isn't going to happen so i've got it in the bag but I did run slower than what I thought, but I think if I had, if I had, it's, I think it's harder actually to be honest when you're leading than what it is when you're chasing people. I think mentally you think more about stuff, whereas actually when you're chasing people, you're just thinking about catching them, catching them, and it takes your mind off it. Mm-hmm. But I would say, like you, as to what made me not feel as good, I think long season definitely part of it. You know, you kind of run on fumes a bit, but I think a lot of people were, you know, um, towards the end of November. Um, biking a lot harder than normal swimming i swam pretty hard as well because i felt pretty good and i was in the pack so i kind of pushed it toward all the way to the end whereas sometimes when you're in the pack it settles down you can tell us going slow Mm -hmm. but you're like what's the point in me overtaking these guys and setting the pace because we're not going to swim much quicker and i'm going to be putting in all the effort um whereas this time i swim fairly hard towards the end but then the bike was like at least 10 to 15 watts harder than what i would normally do the, you were saying the last bit of the run was very, very tough, and it put some uh, some years uh, uh, onto you. Um, what were you thinking when it got mentally really tough? What was it? Uh, just keeping it together because uh, with about eight or nine Ks to go, I kind of got a split on the others because you do uh, an out and back. So mm-hmm. I saw I had five and a half minutes on second and six and a half on like Matt Hansen. So I did the maths in my head. I thought we've got eight to nine K, so five and a half miles. I thought he's got to take over a minute a mile out of me. Um, so I thought as long as I'm running six and a half minute mile in or under, he's not going to run under five and a half minute mile in. So I've kind of got it in the bag. So I just tried to keep it as close to four minute K pace as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I, I tried to do I as well. Uh, yeah, I, I was struggling as well like at that point. But I just kind of thought that and was just literally counting down the kilometers 
Like I wasn't really thinking too much. I was just thinking, keep it together, count down the kilometers, make sure I kept taking the nutrition in as well, just to make sure I didn't like bonk or cramp or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was just, uh, and then just thinking, you know, it's only 30 minutes at that point and then tech 20 minutes. And then once you get to, cause you could see the distance signs, once you got to like the 24, 25 mile point, you're like, Oh yes, I'm nearly, I'm nearly there. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, just uh, keeping it. Now like, that was what, what I was keeping in my head. What does this? Um, is is it a sweet win? Well, winning, of course. I, I don't know what it tastes like, but it's always probably very sweet. But do you think? Do you reckon it's what? <laughs> no clue what it tastes like, but I can imagine it feels pretty all right. Uh, well, I've got some age group wins under my belt, so I know what it feels like. I almost forgot about that. Well, it doesn't feel any different than when you win a triathlon <laughs> as an amateur, to be honest. No, I, what, what like, I wanted to say is uh, winning could be like, uh, for some people, winning, a feeling of winning could be finishing the Ironman. It could be like getting promotion at work or having a beautiful wife is winning in life. I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> would you say, <laughs> it could be anything, mate. Uh, would you say this win uh, was amongst one of the sweeter ones or um, a, a regular win? Uh probably say it was one of the sweet ones because i felt like the competition was pretty good and i wanted to do myself uh like have another like good race after kona um and i'd unfinished business with the race after like dnf and before and also because of the form what some of the guys were in coming into like i mean sam long's had some awesome results ben canute coming off second at 70.3 worlds and some of the others like matt hansen's beat me quite a few times at the start when i was racing um mm-hmm. professional ironmans like he like texas back in 2015 so you know racing again i've been racing against him for quite some time so it definitely felt like one of the one of the better ones i would say because it felt like the competition was pretty good but to be honest they all feel good when you manage to do it they all feel pretty much the same you know of course especially um, when you see that but the i would effect. say yeah well i mean to be honest you don't really think about that i mean it is nice <laughs> no, to get I'm it kidding, at the I'm time. you just want to <laughs> <laughs> like i mean obviously you definitely want the money and like i have thought about it before in a race when someone overtakes you're like fuck it's like five grand you know in like kona or something um <laughs> but like i would say the feeling of winning though when you're an amateur and you win an amateur race is the same as when you win as a pro like it well, still feels you don't it you don't know joe as, you've never raced as an amateur it can yeah, be when even... I started, when I was a when I was a kid, and I was running and stuff and doing some of the amateur ones, like um, they oh, all man. feel just as they all feel just as good. But um, so if you've won any kind of sporting thing, looking at your season now, um, started off p- pretty rusty and dusty, uh, um, still managed to have a really really decent season, mate. Like something you can be really proud of. I. Uh, I mean, uh, I remember starting off after New Zealand, after South Africa. Um, bit disappointed with uh, getting COVID, of course, and I think fourth in the race. Uh, but then um, I don't think there's many people that do like six Ironmans. And if you were fit, you would probably have done another one uh, early season. Uh, and also winning like or winning like winning two and coming in fifth at World Championships within the the, the, the span of um, two and a half months is uh, two months. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's five Ironmans in, in the year, like fourth at South Africa uh sub seven then uh wales corona and then uh, this one so it's been a decent year you're year. actually forgetting uh, um, iron man niece <laughs> oh yeah yeah i did forget that yeah uh well maybe you didn't <laughs> finish was, uh, it but you still did like half a marathon of the run and also um <laughs> some of the training sessions but we'll we'll, we'll do a, i want to do a recap about training sessions we did this year later on uh, uh of some of the crazy stuff and what kind of benefits it could have or can't have uh, for the body. Um, so are you looking at back at one of your best, or will you say your best season due date? Or Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, I reckon it's probably the best season now. And I, I felt like there was just something, like I was just missing a, a decent result after Kona. Um, so to get the win at Arizona, I did say to, to Laura and to my friends and stuff that like if I got a win at Arizona, that would top it off and it would be like, a really um it would be a, it would be a good season so i am definitely pleased now like with that that has topped it off really nicely so yeah looking forward to putting my feet up chilling out for a bit and uh and then building up the next year 
next year I wouldn't mind racing. Uh, I mean, I definitely want to race New Zealand and then focus on some of the PTO races. To be honest, I can have a crack at have a crack at them. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think next year I'll do one Ironman and then Kona and the PTO races in between. I, I like everyone who I spoke to who's done them has really raved about them and. Uh, I feel like with the training that I've done, I should be able to get a good result in them. I haven't managed to get a decent result really at that distance, but I want to have a crack and just uh, see if I can. And obviously the prize money's um, pretty decent in them as well. Joe, uh, whatever uh, you're doing, you know, uh, we're supporting the journey, mate. <laughs> you're doing uh, New Zealand, aren't you? I Wanna am go doing, in New Zealand? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm planning on, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the plan. One, one, a big, big hit out, sub-50 swim. Oh. That was where the junkyard dog bark come from, doesn't it? That it's was the, where the junkyard dog came from. The junkyard dog is is born and raised in uh, in New Zealand. It's actually a, New Ze- a, a yeah. kiwi junkyard dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kiwi junkyard dog. Born Just and before raised. COVID it was born. It grew up in COVID. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's a bit leery, because it never <laughs> grew up socialising with people. It was just like left by its own. <laughs> <laughs> it's always off the leash. <laughs> and it gets really... Lived in isolation. It gets, he gets really excited, but also kind of a bit nuts when he sees other competition. Oh, I junkyard dogged two people in the race. Did you? Oh, I was waiting for a junkyard dog uh, when you pros. passed. Uh, yeah, uh, I Blue, forgot to say. Uh, what was it like? Uh, what, what was his name? Uh, Christian Hogenhauk. No, I didn't do one for him because <laughs> I didn't know if he was going to come back. Like at that time, I didn't feel great, and I was like, "Fucking, I wanna, I don't want to speak too soon." <laughs> I was messing around um, on the but, on and, the live chat, and everyone was like uh, barking like dogs when you passed him, but we saw no bark, mate. Really, I should have, shouldn't I? I did, I should have, but I did do one for, um, I did do one at Andy Horsfall Turner and uh, Ben Canute when I caught them on the bike. <laughs> like, I, they gave me a smile when they saw it. <laughs> do you reckon that uh, Ben Canute? Because literally, like three weeks ago, we chatted about um, that you aren't really an Ironman when you've only done a half. That that was his motivation to step up to the full. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Oh, my God. What are they doing now? Supporting the show. Um, support, they, they hear about the dogs and they come out, don't they? Jody, I've got right. a bullshit yeah. buster, mate. What's the bullshit buster? Bullshit buster is um, when you're doing strength, uh, strength training in the gym, you go into the gym and you record the flipping session with your sports watch. Why the hell would you record a gym session on your watch? Just get down to business and swing the weights. I do that, mate. Why? And you know I do that because we act, you act, you told me the bullshit buster at the start, didn't you? And I said, not knowing that I knew anything about that. And I told you I did it. I actually do that. And you couldn't believe it, could you? <laughs> yeah, no, because I think it's, it's bullshit. It's total bullshit. Why would you record your session of lifting weights? Do you also record a fart? <laughs> yeah, but that's a session though. That's a training session. You're lifting weights and pumping iron, mate. I'm getting, you know, what? big like Schwarzenegger, you know. What's, what's the data? Yeah, but why do you think Schwarzenegger is so pumped? Because he isn't messing around with any sports watch, is he? He's just getting down to business. He's just be what why why are you recording that session? What benefits does it give you? I don't know. It don't give me any benefit. I know. Like, I don't know. I just do it, mate. I just you know, some people record their sleep, mate, and upload it. Well, I can see that because it maybe helps with regards to recovery. Like, I can I can see any of that. But, like, recording a gym session, well, you can only see, like, a bit of heart And, rate. you know, when you record it as well, what you're going to think is even worse. You put in how many reps you do or it records what it thinks is the reps, but you oh can't even put God. the weight in as well. Dude, it's, it's a waste of time. Just focus and do your gym session. So, yeah, if you're doing stuff like this, just um, um, stop doing that and, and put a little bit more of attention and focus into the session itself. But what uh, about if you want to uh, time how long you're doing yeah, a plank for? What the fuck's going something? on in your house? Like, there's always something going on. Oh, so, yeah, sorry. We're just getting some building work done. Yeah, I can um, hear like a Texas what about Chainsaw if- mask. Okay, like, go on. <laughs> yeah <laughs> builders are having a fight mate you know like um you know what it's like um what um what what about if you want to record how long you're doing a plank for or something or like you know some uh well, something like that it's, it's different if you want to record within the session like uh, uh uh the time because that has got to do with the session itself but i bet walking into the gym and then what record- about ben canoe 
If he records it, does it still count as a bullshit buster? Because we know that guy likes his gym sessions, you know, and um, he looks good doing them. Depends. So if, if he, he records, then I'm going to say that it's fine. If he is doing the adult performer hip thrustless and he's recording them because he's doing the reps time-wise, for example, 30 seconds every side of the body, uh, I can see uh, why he's doing that. If he's just recording when he starts entering the room and recording the whole session for the sake of recording and putting it on Strava to um, spam people, I would say it's um, meaningless. Yeah, it's got no point, mate. I, I think we should ask Ben what, what he thinks because he's like an icon of the strength strength and conditioning world. And if he says it's okay. Would you call okay. him a strength and, strength and conditioning God, a pioneer in the scene? Yeah, he's a pioneer. He's a guru. Some some people are ahead of their time in certain sports. Kipchoge with a two-hour marathon. You know, Techno Viking, you know. Like, they, they were just ahead of their time. They were doing things that people didn't know. He's doing that in the strength and conditioning world. I know. He's a guru. If he says that the watch is uh, legit, the watch is legit. If he says total bullshit, bullshit busted. Fair enough. I'll ask Ben. Sometimes you need to get a second opinion from a guru, mate. That is totally true. Have we got? We've got an Instagram post of the week, haven't we? Yeah, and it is a Morton Move Instagram post of the week. Now, what is a Morton this Move? This is Joe? the triathlon mockery version. So, a Morton Move in the triathlon mockery sense is what is it in a normal sense? What is it, what is it in a, what's it in a normal sense? I think from what I gather from Iron Man who do it in the coverage, when someone overtakes someone else during the race, they call it a Morton move, I think, or uh, something like that. That's what I think. But I, I've never actually seen it used on that. I've just heard some people slagging but it's it just, off. You would say um, for them, it's a sneaky way of advertisement uh, to put in like a, uh, a sponsor Morton, name. A sponsor. Morton. And they call it like, oh, there is a Morton move on the show. Joe Skipper is overtaking Christian Hogenhardt. What a Morton move. Something like that? Yeah, basically, yeah. That's a, like a sneaky way of getting advertisement. I mean, we could pay for it, couldn't we? And they could call it an Oosterdeck move, couldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, um, but we, I saw someone tagged me in this post, the guy actually who wrote it, um, and I'd seen that he took 25 gels, Morton gels from the Ironman Arizona, and he was absolutely buzzing because he reckoned it was going to save him $100. So... I, I, my, our Morton move, the triathlon mockery, is going to be how many joules can you get from an Ironman to help you support your training? Could be different tactics. You might have some that you started with a race. They could have been your own and you end up finishing the race. You have three gels. Or you could take, you could try and uh, forget a backpack or try and carry as many as you can at the last aid station or last two aid stations and see what you can get. This guy's got 25. So he's top of the leaderboard at the moment. I don't think with I think that's going to stand for a while. What do you think, Tom? Can you um, see any any many people beating that? Uh, Twenty five is pretty grim. I don't know why you had to pick such a baller at the start, um, but if you can you post it up and see if we can get anyone from Ironman Israel to see it before they start tomorrow, because then we might have some competition. Someone might just go out on a like go crazy on the last two aid stations. Yeah, because 25 gels is like 50 quid, like a Morton move. Do you know what, though? Some age groupers do, uh, some volunteers do Morton moves because I was talking to a friend who knows a volunteer and he reckons he volunteers because he funnels away gels from the aid stations and it supports his training for the year after the race. <laughs> There's a good Morton move. Um, so one one but, gel to the age grouper, one gel to myself. To be, to be fair, um, the Morton move only counts within competition. Doesn't work outside competition. Really? Yeah. So All only right. so in competition. What so what happened? So you can't be a volunteer and doing it. No, you can't be a volunteer and doing it. No, because the hard thing is carrying all the gels on the finish over the finish line. That's the competition, mate. Oh yeah, that is. Yeah. You, need, you need some right, obstacles. So you've got to be in you need to, yeah, because if you want to win it, like if, for example, if you want to carry like 150 gels, that is pretty impressive, isn't it? 150 gels, mate. If you're in a good position in Ironman New Zealand, and you know that you're not going to get caught, you're not going to get uh, overtake anyone, and you've got like four k's to go, so you know there's two A stations, for instance. Are you just going to fucking go for the more move? Because you think the aid stations are going to be all really well replenished at that point because not too many people on the course. Mm -hmm. Are you going to see if you can beat it? Uh, that could be the next opportunity because Israel, not many people from Israel will see that tomorrow. 
So you, uh, there's Western Australia where we could see some Morton moves, but then it could be down to you, mate, me and you. We could be pioneers of it. We could be leading I, the leaderboard at some point. To be honest, if, um, if for example, I'm in 10th position, uh, the one behind me is like 10 minutes down, uh, in front is probably five minutes up, um, I would definitely, if the aid station is close to the finish line, absolutely pump myself, load myself up like a Michelin boy with Morton moves. <laughs> Do you know what I've got? Funny pictures in my head. Imagine if you win the race and you've got like a shitload of Morton gels in there because you're just doing it for a laugh and they're taking the finish line picture and you've got gels falling out your top. You're trying to do it up, do your tri-suit up because you've just chucked a load in. They try and get you on the presentation. You've got like 30 gels in <laughs> 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 like falling everywhere and stuff. It would be pretty funny, wouldn't it? Hey, Joe. We should have a competition. I want to have a competition with you in New Zealand, see who can win the Morton moves. Um, yeah, we could do, we could do, but we'll talk about that later on. Anyway, uh, Joe, uh, let's put an end to this show before we head out. Um, last week's show was brought to you, um, by BioStars, BioStars.com, the, the blood test. Probably next week we'll discuss about the, uh, the results, how fucked Joe is, how, how much he in, is in the K-hole. Um, for now, Joe, um, if people want to order their own blood test, uh, head over to biostars.com. Use code TELM10 for 10% off. And you can have your very own personal insights in uh, how you're looking uh, in going into the offseason. Jody, have you got any last tips and yeah. tricks for him? What, with regards to the blood testing? With regards to anything in life. With regards to anything. <laughs> uh I could give some. Uh, I, I I could give some relationship advice if they want. I would say, well, we'll save that for another podcast. I would say, uh, uh, talk more uh, and don't be uh, afraid to reach out to someone else. Jody, how to make friends and influence people? That's what I could do, couldn't I? Because you said you said that I've got a good, I've got a good way of uh, influencing people, didn't you? On the last one, you do, you do. I'll, uh, I'll speak it might to... not be positive influence it might not be positive influences <laughs> I'll speak to you next week mate take care alright see you later see you later bye bye bye